MSW Media. Hi, this is Zane Lamprey. You are listening to What We're Drinking with my good friend Dan Dunn. Always a good time. That is a fact. That is an absolute fact because I've done it several times. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Thank you, Kalai King, and thank you, Zane Lamprey, for that promo. Zane Lamprey will be joining me in just a few minutes. He is the guest on this episode of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. I am Dan Dunn, and thank you for joining us. A reminder that I'll be hosting another edition of Nightcap Live. It's a live stream I do for Flaviar. Next one is going to be Tuesday, May 19th, special time, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time on Flaviar's YouTube channel. My guest will be director Steven Soderberg, who has a spirit brand called Singani 63. We're going to be drinking that and learning all about it on the show with Steven. Maybe we'll talk about that movie he directed called Contagion. I don't know. It has, it's relevant these days, right? And uh, Stephen will also be doing a segment with me for this podcast, and that'll probably be coming up next week or the week after. I'll surprise you. Also want to invite you to follow me on the social media, Instagram and Twitter, at The Imbiber. Send along questions, comments, whatever you want. It's May, and I'm stuck in quarantine like you, motherfucker. I don't say that lightly. Only May in quarantine has the power to make me drop an MF. Because M motherfucking F, it is getting hot out here in Los Angeles, motherfucker. But there ain't no cure for hot like cold, and there ain't no cold like frozen. And I hear tell that frozen things can be combined with drinking things. It's just one problem. Most frozen drinks are all hat and no cattle. Lulling you into a fantasy of ice and sugar and barely a smidge of the good stuff. Satan's his self's bulb juice. Sweet mother ethanol. Now, I'm not saying every frozen drink turns you into a Bravo channel watching wuss, but I am saying that every frozen drink says something about you. I'm here to tell you those somethings. But first, just because it's hot and I'm stuck in quarantine... That's how I feel. 
I actually feel better now. So where were we? Oh, that's right. Frozen drinks and what they say about you deep down. The Pina Colada. This cocktail exploded in popularity in late 1979 following the release of Rupert Holmes' chart-topper Escape, the Pina Colada song. Unlike Rupert Holmes, the Pina Colada proved to have staying power. This has always struck me as odd, too, because while the drink is exceedingly vile, a saccharine synthesis of pineapple juice, cheap rum, and cream of coconut that evokes a recurring nightmare I used to have involving the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man felching the Pillsbury Doughboy. Escape, the Pina Colada song, is delightful. Frankly, I'd say it holds its own against anything Harry Chapin or Jim Croce recorded in the 70s. I mean, check the concept. Dude's tired of his old lady and takes out an ad in the personals. Arranges a rendezvous with a stranger based on a shared affinity for cloyingly sweet frozen drinks, only to discover that the potential mistress is his old lady. Turns out that just like him, she's a no-good cheater with lousy-tasting cocktails, too. So they kill each other? No way! They laugh it off, throw back a few pina coladas, and get jiggy with it right there in the dunes, giving each other different strains of syphilis contracted from all the other lovers each had taken over the preceding months. Marriage saved! It's like cats in the cradle or time in a bottle, but with more boning. Still, rather than taking his rightful place alongside America's greatest singer-songwriters, after Escape, Rupert Holmes only went on to win a Tony and a Drama Desk Award for his career-shifting work on Broadway. Slacker. And apparently he's also British. So what does drinking pina colada say about you? Frankly, that's between you and whatever anthropomorphic desserts you're felching behind your spouse's back. But between you and me, it means you have syphilis. Next up, the Cosmopolitan Slushy. I think of this drink the way I think of pre-Columbus America. Someone wealthy was eventually going to figure out it was there, and when they did, they would inevitably commit a series of heinously unethical acts, causing untold misery and sorrow. Should the desire to order this libational abomination ever arise, you are advised to immediately shout, Geronimo! and punch yourself in the face. Hard. If the urge to consume this calamitous cocktail continues, punch yourself again with the same exclamation. Only harder. Right in your stupid, fat face. Preferably while wearing a large ring. The goal here is that swift contingent stimulation will inhibit the recurrence of your puerile cocktail cravings, and you will move on to something further down the list. Perhaps something starting with an M. If operant conditioning does not work, however, and you continue to drink Cosmopolitan slushies, what it says about you is that you are a terrible person who has a hard-on for manifest destiny and American exceptionalism. The Banana Daiquiri. Guys who think it's okay to order banana daiquiris tend to be the same guys who think it's okay to wear banana hammocks. And I'm totally comfortable with that. Banana daiquiris are freaking delicious. If you drink them, it means you are comfortable with who you have become which is to say, a monster. Margarita. There's no doubt that a traditional margarita is one of the 11 greatest cocktails ever invented. Tequila, triple sec, and lime juice over ice. Simple, sublime, sexy. When you think about it, what could be wrong with dumping the whole shebang into a Cuisinart and blending it into a state of light and frothy deliciousness? After all, you're not changing the essence of the drink. Just the form. So why am I so turned off by frozen margs? One word. History. 
History tells us loud and clear that messing with a successful original is the mostest, dangerousest game. Sure, Dick Sargent was a slight improvement over the first Dick, York, who played Darren Stevens on Bewitched, but for every one of those isolated success stories, there are countless examples of tweaks to a brilliant original that didn't take. New Coke, Skinny Jonah Hill, Gus Van Sant's Psycho, Meg Ryan's latest face, everything CNN has done since 2001, Lower Proof Maker's Mark, CSI Omaha, Bush 43, Post Giuliani Times Square, and Michael Jordan's baseball career. If you drink frozen margaritas, it means you like sober Charlie Sheen. And you have my sincerest apologies. Next up, we have the frozen avocado cocktail, and here's what's in it. A quarter medium avocado, three quarters of an ounce of fresh lime juice, one cup of crushed ice and an ounce and a half of, uh, ounce in it, and an ounce and a half of light rum. Crush ice in blender, add rum, lime juice, and avocado. Blend thoroughly. Garnish with a lime wedge. And it means you're spending way too much time in California, brah. And then the mint julep. Is the mint julep technically a frozen drink? Well, have you ever been to Kentucky in the summer? Am I technically having a conversation with someone, or am I sitting alone at my desk constructing some sort of elaborate Trumpian maze of self-querying? The answer is shut up, Internet. You don't exist. <clears throat> so yeah, it's hot right now, and if you need a cold drink that won't put you into a shame spiral, it's hard to do better than a julep. So I honestly don't give a rat's ass if it's frozen or not. If you make it right, the outside of the julep cup gets all frosty, and does that count? Does a bear shit on the Pope? Double hum. If you're drinking a mint julep, it means you value simplicity, you don't care about technicalities, and you aren't afraid to have a conversation with yourself. And finally, the peach fuzzy. Perhaps you're thinking pink lemonade, vodka, fresh, juicy peaches? All we need is the Pillsbury Doughboy, some crazy straws, and a real housewives marathon, and we've got ourselves a rage-ass party! Funny thing is, I was thinking the same thing. You know what that says about us? It says it's time to get our brain freeze on, motherfucker. Drinking a peach fuzzy means you have lost all capacity for shame. I'm going to go ahead and call that a good thing. Speaking of having no shame, my guest, one of my favorite people, man by the name of Zane Lamprey. So with me now is a uh, gentleman... He's done so much. That's disturbing. That's, that's just really disturbing. Um, a man who's done so much that I didn't even bother writing it down. That's how much there. Oh, this is going to have to go up on the Instagram right there. That's hey, going you're up. You're the one that end. suggested that we drink. Yes. Yes. I like it. Um, Zane Lamprey, everybody. How you doing, buddy? Fantastic. Good to see you. Yes. As you can tell, all I've been doing during the quarantine is working Oh my god! Ooh, yeah, we're off to a start, and you know this is what happens when we drink the uh, when we drink the Long Island iced teas, man. Why did why did we decide to drink Long Island iced teas? I told Mel. So my wife was a bartender for twelve, fifteen years, whatever, and so I told her to make me a Long Island iced tea. And she's like, "Why did you guys do Long Island iced teas?" And I was like, "You know what, woman? Don't ask me questions." That's right, because we're you know we're in quarantine, man, and it, you know it, it it eats up some of that time. Taking making that drink, it's gonna eat up 
it's going to eat up the rest of my day as far as like getting anything done, but that's fine. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot that goes into the drink. I don't know if people wear it's vodka, rum, tequila, gin, triple sec, sec it's just like- simple syrup, lemon juice, and soda. It is the liquor equivalent of diarrhea. Yeah. So we got Everything. it. Can I, let me see yours. Oh, it looks good. Can I try some of that? Yeah, sure. Here you go. Oh, here. Let me, oh, wow. Let me see. Why'd you take the straw out? Mm. I don't believe in them. They're not good for the environment. Oh, you got it back already. Well, yeah, yeah. through the magic of television. Can I ask you uh, what pub you're at? J.C. Penny? <laughs> I just built this during... Uh, I, during quarantine. Built it? What do you mean built it? You hung a shower curtain? No, I... Oh, it's like waving in the background. <laughs> oh my God, I can see the clips. If you rip it down, is it like some horribly <laughs> messy room or something? There. That's so Better? Good. Oh, hold on. I didn't realize that. Okay. And by the way, the perspective is off, so you kind of look like you're a hobbit or something. Like, like, like this. So when I zoom with my mom, it's usually like this. Hey, mom. She's like, hi, honey. Oh, I didn't even know. I didn't realize you could see the clips, but yes, you can. All right. It's a classy operation we're running and here. it's moving. <laughs> well, I have the fan on because it's hot, man. No, you did this just for me. <laughs> Don't hit it. Don't break it. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to knock that bar down, man. It could be trouble. Um, I'm waiting for Zach Patterson to, like, to come like diving through it or something. Oh my God. I'll have to have my crew fix that in between takes here. Um, <laughs> so it's good to see you. You were actually the very first guest on this new, and it's not new anymore, but you know, I've done a bunch of other podcasts, but what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, Zane was gracious enough to be my very first guest. And I believe this is like episode 57 now or something you like that. You told me that if I did it, you would make the pictures go away. Yes. Uh, yes. I, and, and they have, I have not seen, I've not seen them that well, no, but there's pictures of this, this, one, this yeah. thing you've got going on with your hair right now. That, that exists in the world. Hey, Marty, Marty, twenty-one point one gigawatts. <laughs> oh my God! Seriously, go to my go to my Instagram at the Imbiber because you have to see what Zane is looking like. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I, I'm, I'm okay. So I go to like this point, this place called Rudy's at Barbershop on Ventura. Excuse me, you used to go. Well, yeah, I. That's the last place I went. And, and the guy who I found a guy I like, his name's Leo. And I just go in there and ask for Leo. And so I've, I'm not even kidding you. I've done four searches, Leo plus Floyd's plus Barbara, like all Google searches to try to find him to see if he can come and give me a black market haircut because this, this is like out of control. So when I, I've been working out and doing my, my Peloton, you know, when I'm here, I have to put my hair in like a, a bun. Man I could bun? shave it, but you know, I, I like it, man. I think it's stylish. Thanks, buddy. Your hair looks, your hair looks disturbingly good. Your hair, your beard, everything is happening. I've been quaffing it on the side myself. I've been trimming up the side. I'm letting the top go, but believe it or not, I actually put shit in it to push it down a little bit. You know, because yeah. it's it's real up there. And and I had the headphones nice. on. Um, so the Long Island iced tea. Why are we drinking it? One of the things, Zane, you and I we've discussed before is I love a good origin story. Okay. With alcohol, and as you know, whether the spirits, especially with cocktails themselves, there's always at least two or three stories about where each drink. Came I'm excited. From. You yeah. have stories for the Long Island scene. There, there. Well, there are two. I think there's two that are basically credible uh, in terms of 
where this drink came from. The, the first one is that it was created in the 1920s during Prohibition by a bootlegger named Charlie Oldman Bishop. In Kingsport, Tennessee, there's a community in Kingsport, Tennessee known as Long Island. Oh, got it. A so, different Long Island than we Different Long know. Island. So the legend is that he threw this drink together with rum, vodka, whiskey, gin, everything in the everything but the kitchen sink and maple syrup. And the idea and this seems plausible because the idea was booze was was scarce then. So when you could get out and get some, yeah. you wanted as much in that fucking drink as you could get. And then the other thing was because it was during prohibition, they could disguise the drink as a sweet tea, as an old, you know, regular old iced oh, tea. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. I see. So you're just walking along like the copper asked you yeah, what you're doing. Yeah, they're just having it, just having a leisurely iced tea down but, there. But it see. is sort of like there, it is sort of a, a, a magical drink in a way, in that the more you're adding so much booze and really not a lot. Up to like sort of sweeten it up like you would with something else. And for some reason, all that booze sort of counteracts each other as far as a taste is concerned. It, it does mesh. And, and let's face it, I don't think either one of us is going out or when we could go out and, and ordering Long Island iced teas, but it's not a bad drink. By the way, in, in a lot of places, and I, by say, when I say a lot, I mean Utah, like a Long Island iced tea is, is not a legal drink. Because there's it, too it, much you, alcohol you in it. You can't, yeah, you can't serve something that's got four or like four or five ounces of alcohol in it. Yeah, well, Utah, Utah is a tough place, but uh, it is it is legal here at my house in this bar, <laughs> the one behind me. Everything goes here, man. As you can uh, see. Hey, Dan, how how are things at the Shire? <laughs> <laughs> Frodo and Sam are coming over later. We're gonna have some mead. Uh, so now the the other the other origin story. I guess would be the one that most people think is the actual one is uh, a guy named Robert Rosebud, Butt, Bob, Butt. nice. He claims that he invented the drink. He even has a website in which he acknowledges that there were maybe similar concoctions elsewhere at another time. But he says that he created this drink at a cocktail contest and this is what he wrote on his site. He said the world famous Long Island iced tea was first invented in 19, I don't know if he knows that's redundant, first invented, but okay. <laughs> in 1972, by me, Robert Butt. Let's say that together, Zane. By me, Robert, Robert Butt. While I was tending bar at the infamous Oak Beach Inn, it's infamous. You've heard. I mean, crazy Wait, shit goes it's, on. It's it. so infamous, it's unfamous because I don't know where it is. Never heard of it. Yeah, the Oak Beach Inn. Uh, I participated in, in, in Long, on Long Island. Yes, I believe so. New York. And he said, I participated in a cocktail creating contest. He, this guy's a grammarian. He really is. I participated in a <laughs> cocktail creating contest. Triple sec had to be included and the bottles started flying. My concoction wow. was an immediate hit and quickly became the house drink at the Oak Beach Inn. By the mid-1970s, every bar on Long Island was serving up this innocent-looking cocktail, and by the 1980s, it was known the world over. Wow. Dick Butt, or Rob Butt. Rob Bob Butt. Butt. Rob Butt. Bob Butt. He's, he's not modest. He's not a modest <laughs> man. Uh, I wonder well, if- By Bob, the way, is, is, he, is he still alive? If your name's Bob Butt, I don't know. But if your name's Bob Butt, 
you better have some confidence or you're going to get the you, shit you kicked out try, of you. Yeah. You need to try to get him on this on this show if he is 11 kicking. <laughs> but. Be but. Let me throw to one of our quick sponsors, messages from our sponsor, pay the bills, and we'll be right back with Zane Lamprey. The commercials are my favorite part. Yeah, this is the best. This is about uh, razors, about shaving. You could probably nice. use, yeah, you could use this. So here we go. My friends, can I be straight with you? Right now is not the time to overpay for razors at the drugstore. In fact, you shouldn't be going to drugstores at all if you can avoid it. Harry's knows this. That's why they ship directly to you so you can experience the quality of a Harry's shave in just a few days from the convenience and safety of your own home. Why Harry's? Well, it's a return to the essential quality, durable blades at a fair price. We're talking $2 a blade. They've cut out the middleman. Harry's uses a German manufacturer that's been honing precision blades for a century. Those high-quality blades go straight from the factory to you with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let Harry's know and they'll give you a full refund. So I've got a, uh, I got an offer for you. Got a little deal. I'll make you a deal. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's and listeners to my show, What We're Drinking With Dan Dunn, can redeem their Harry's trial at harrys.com slash drinking. That's harrys.com slash drinking. Redeem it. You're going to get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, some rich lathering shave gel with aloe, keep your skin nice and hydrated, very important, and a travel blade cover, keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Because eventually you're going to get to go somewhere again, I promise. So go to harrys.com slash drinking to start shaving better today. And we're back with Zane Lamprey. Zane, uh, was Zane's, that you was bo- that advertisement like aimed to me? Well, look at both of us. We both look like savages with our beards and our. I I I, I did trim mine because I was looking a little Grizzly Adams. It was to a point where like it was cool, and then it got to a point where it was like homeless. Too much. So yeah. I, I had to trim it. Yeah. I, I'm actually I'm a little bit bummed. I, you know, I follow Zane on the social media and we keep, yeah, Long Island Ice Tea, and we keep in touch. And Zane right now is supposed to be out on the road doing Ugh. a massive, what, 70 some city Seven, tour? 71 city comedy tour. So my, my stand up uh, at 71 breweries across the country and then a few places in Canada. So this weekend, Join me in Florida, won't you? <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, tonight I would be in, and I think I'd be in Jacksonville, and then Tampa, Orlando, or vice versa, and then and then Fort Lauderdale, and then uh, Miami, and then Mel and I were just gonna stay in Miami for a few days. But were you yeah, just going? Was it just you, or did you have a couple other comedians on the tour? So with it was. You? So it was just me. Here, here's it was me, but I I, I have some guys that were that were going to come and they were working, but they're also aspiring comedians. So they were going to open, they were each going to do five minutes, you know? And then what's interesting is when I did my last tour, which was 10 years ago this summer, um, I, 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 I was doing drinking made easy for Mark Cuban. So I was shooting the TV show during the day and doing stand up at night. But uh, with, sorry, there's like, it's like now that the neighborhood kids, I'm going to close the window. Hold on. Okay. Saying Lamprey, everybody closing the window. I'll try to fill the empty void. Oh, here he comes. He's back. 
Sorry. It's like the, the neighbors are saying, hey, what is the office? Where's the window to Zane's office, his home office? Go play there. Go, go yell inside. See <laughs> go yell doing. there. Um, so it, so anyway, when I was doing Drinking Made Easy for Mark Cuban's HDNet, we were shooting the show during the day. And at night, we were doing stand-up. And I had a lot of great, like amazing drinking stories from shooting three sheets in my international drinking travel show for four years, four seasons. So like, you know, getting drunk, you know, in, 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 in Russia or you know, ending up in a Mexican jail, like all these amazing stories. But since we were going on and, 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 uh, that's the neighbor's since, kids. They're like, Hey, why'd you shut the window? <laughs> you jerk. But since, but since we were, um, you know, out there to shoot and promote drinking made easy, it didn't make sense for me to celebrate a show that I'd already that, that was in the history, you know, I need to do something in the future. So, so I, I made that stand up more about like education of drinking and some funny stories and whatever, but this one was going to be like my best drinking stories from shooting three sheets. Well, yeah. And let's back up here for a second. So I just, not that anybody doesn't know who you are, but Zane really was one of, you, you know, your first thing was, was three sheets, which was a precursor to a lot of the shows that people are familiar with now, including, I, I believe, didn't Bourdain give you some credit for kind of pioneering well, that? So, so here's my, here's my quick story about me and, and, and Tony. Uh, I, I was doing three sheets and then, and then he left food network and food network wanted to fill the void. They weren't looking to replace him. They wanted to fill the slots with a international food show. One of the guys over there, the developing you know, producers, whatever, loved uh, Three Sheets. So they ordered Half Fork Will Travel with me going around, whatever. And one of the things with Three three Sheets is that I wouldn't over-research where what I was going into because I wanted to learn as things were happening. But you'd have a, you'd have a general, you'd have a general concept if you were going to a, if you were going to a brewery in Bavaria, yeah. you'd have, you'd have a, some sort of an idea what yeah, but sometimes it's like I'm going to a bar and I show up and then I say to the producer, I'm like, all right, what's the deal? Oh, this guy's going to show you how to make limoncello, da, 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 whatever it is. And it's like, oh, this, oh, that's awesome. What's limoncello? Well, like, go ask the guy, you know? So then we just get into the scene and it was like, it was just, I felt that that was a way to be more organic about it. So I did the same thing with the, with Half Fork Will Travel with on the Food Network. And Bourdain saw it and he's like, they got some some jackass who doesn't know anything about food. Well, all he does is going around making making fun of people, and you're just like, asshole. You just watched the show for like five minutes because I know what he watched. It was the France episode, and so then I sort of like, when I when I crazy enough when I read that article from the Sh Chicago Tribune or something like that, I happened to be in Hawaii shooting my show at the same time that he was shooting. We we're both there. And I was so pissed off, I wanted to fight him and fight him. Like I swear and to God. And how many years? How many like, years ago is this? Um, it's probably ten. Okay. Maybe nine, ten. And the producers like even knew where they were, wouldn't tell me. Like Zane, come on, let it go, let it go. Like fuck this guy. Honestly, like here I am. Like I, you know, I, I'm not just gonna say I idolized him, but I certainly respected him and looked up to him. And and for for him to know how difficult it is to make entertaining TV and make it work and all these sort of things and the fact that i'll go out and shoot a scene for five hours and ends up being five minutes and it's the editors and the producer's choice of what ends up in the show you know whatever for him to say that i thought was really dicky and so 
So I said something to him on, on, on social media or whatever, on Twitter, and then he got back to me, and then we started like talking. But do you think you could? Do you think you could have kicked his ass though? I don't know. I mean, it would have been a good one. It would have been a good one because I think he, I think he did Krav Maga, but it would have been, but it would have been good. Yeah, I would, I, I would have, I would have done it. Okay. <laughs> I would have done it and watched so it. now he gets in touch with you though, and now, and so now we're fences. talking over email, and he's like, "Look, I thought I love Three Sheets. It's one of my favorite shows." I'm like, what? well, then why do you lead with that? Like, t- don't say I'm a jackass. You know who I am. Why wouldn't you tell the Chicago Tribune, like, hey, he's, an, he's a drink expert. He's not the food guy, whatever. And he's like, yeah, I should have done it, da, da, da. So then we're, eat, we're, we're fine. We meet in person. It's cordial. And then, and then, as a matter of fact, when I was shooting four sheets two summers ago, we were going to go to Cuba. And so I reached out to him. I'm like, hey, man, we're going to Cuba. Do you have any contacts? Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely reach out to this person, this person, whatever. And then when are you going to be there? Oh, I might be here. Oh, maybe maybe, maybe I'll pop in. Like, that'd be awesome. Yeah, is Bourdain will pop in for a scene of, of, of four sheets. Like, that's amazing. And so we ended up, uh, we didn't have a great budget. And I was l- worried about the red tape and the commies, you know, in, in Cuba. So we ended up not going there. We went to Mexico City instead. And, and so... I think on that trip is when he passed away. So mm-hmm. it was just like, it was this weird, this weird thing. And I was, I was actually like really excited because he loved three, three sheets. We did drinking made easy, which was different. We, we did chug, which was different, but now we were doing four sheets and we were bringing back everything the same, making it the same kind of show. And uh, I was, I was excited. I was looking forward to showing it to him, but you know, well, I mean, whatever. who wouldn't have been? Yeah. So what about when is five sheets coming? You know, it's so, so funny. So we were doing, you remember I was telling you about, we were, I did four sheets for a network called uh, uh, Drink TV. And if anyone's listening to it, you can go and watch four sheets. It's free. Don't subscribe. Just go. It's free. Go to drinktv.com, ad supported. I think you watch one ad and you get to go watch the show. So it's, and, and we did six episodes of it. And then, um, and so that, that network, um, you know. Is that still around? funding no i mean i mean kind of there it's, it's there but um but so you know my contract expired and i'm like i'm gonna leave so this is i'm working with this other production company to go around town and pitch uh pitch four sheets because i got the rights back and we were like a week away from our pitch meetings when the whole shit all oh, this man. happened yeah so and now and now like if it when could i reasonably go and travel internationally and shoot this show you could do the you could do the animated you should do the animated version i think animated that's going to be where it's going to happen i'm going to get i'm going to get backdrops like you have (laughs) high quality (laughs) professional uh backdrops like this amazing yeah Don't, don't bother waiting it i like how the wind hits it you've transitioned you know you had this thing going but now you're doing outdoor gear you're also which was an a, an interesting, yeah. an interesting jump from where the space that you were in. It's simple. It's it's this. I was doing three sheets. I was getting paid twenty five hundred dollars an episode. I did eight episodes my first year. So after paying my agent and the government, I mean, what did I end up with? Twelve thousand dollars, you know, for a year. So Which I was doing, goes a long way in L.A. It, it went a long way. It went a month. And so I was doing other stuff to make ends meet and whatever. And then I was like, you know, wait, I'm. I'm wearing a billboard. And, and so I, I'm, so I started designing t-shirts to wear in the show. 
Um, I had a monkey that I would hide in the episode called Pleplius, and I made a silhouette monkey shirt. That was that's a logo that we still work with, and um, and so that sort of launched the me and a clothing brand, and then I started making sweatshirts, and I was like, you know, the I I want something that like makes traveling a better experience. So like a hoodie that turns into a pillow and like a backpack that's got a built-in cooler. So that's that was that was the evolution of of adventure of my apparel brand. Uh, it's ADV three and T-U-R-E. So the first E is a three because we plant three trees in the U.S. with every purchase. And so we've um, uh, that's been the evolution of the brand and we're continuing to evolve. We we've been making everything overseas and now we've we we're committed to bringing everything back to the U.S. Which I imagine has to be super cheap to do that. <laughs> you know what's interesting? It's it's incredibly challenging because we were making our stuff in a place called Fujo, uh, F U H Z O U, something along that those lines, which is a city in China. Have you heard of it? I have not. Okay, so it's one of the biggest cities in the world. I think the population of it is bigger than Los Angeles. It's like nine million people, and and they and, and when I was in Guangzhou, which was down south, they're like, yeah, you have to go to a small city up north. They call it a small city. So I thought I was going to like a village or something. And and in those in those cities, you had, you know, a hundred to two hundred manufacturers that could make your hoodie. And 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 they can get custom zippers and buttons and this and that and just all the fabrics that you want and do laser cutting and printing and all these crazy things. And it you, and it was it was pennies for each thing and they, it would add up. But you know, to do something over here made in the US, it's two to three times the amount of money to make it over here. Insane. But, but you get but there's so many pluses. Number one, keeping your carbon footprint small, making the stuff. Our, we're not getting our fabric from overseas. Our fabric is made in the U.S. from U.S. cotton um, and obviously U.S. jobs and just like, you know, a lot of there's a lot of positives to it. So I, I'm excited about it. The challenge there's been obviously new challenges. And I mean, that's what that's what life and business is about. Right. Just problem solving. Everybody's got it. Everybody's got to adapt now. And, and at uh, this point. At this point, you're interviewing the Long Island Iced Tea. I, I'm no longer <laughs> answering the question. It's the mm-hmm. booze talking. I I could talk to you all day, man. You know that. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, what I get, I have the privilege <laughs> of talking to Glenn Big Baby Davis, former NBA yeah. star, NBA yeah. champ. I'm going to be doing that with him. And then I've got one uh, on Tuesday with director Steven Soderbergh. Be doing a live stream for Flaviar there. That's awesome. Where can people find you know you. What, anything just, just go to my instagram zane lamprey instagram at zane lamprey just go there that's the conduit for everything right now um and listen as soon as this bullshit's over uh we're gonna just gonna we're gonna let's just do this in person let's do it and we'll get we'll get crazy like the old days i'm actually gonna post i was thinking about i was looking at through some old photos the other day i've got hundreds of photos of you and I, I've known you a long time. I mean, I, yeah. I was looking at pictures of us in Florida and Vegas and here and that place and the other place. You, you, and- remember, like, you remember one of my favorite ones is like, we're sitting at a table, you, me and Ron Jeremy and he, he falls asleep. Oh, that was it. That was it. Adam, <laughs> that was it. Adam Carolla's beach party in Malibu. Yeah. And His uh, beach party, which was two, three miles from the beach, but don't worry about that. <laughs> it was, but the funniest thing at that party was, 
I might have had a couple of drinks and he had a, a really good lineup of entertainers. Susanna Hoffs from the Bangles played. That's and then right, he did. And then John Popper from Blues Traveler yeah. played. And then the band Fits and the Tantrums, who at the time were pretty big. They had a big hit then. And I, I decided it'd be a good idea while Fits and the Tantrums was playing to go actually practically stand on stage with Fits and the Tantrums. So nice. I went up there and my buddy Dave Zeeler, our mutual friend Dave, yeah. uh, I wanted him to take a picture of me essentially being an asshole and blocking the lead singer for fits in the tantrums with my arms oh my up in the eye, hair like this. Cause I wanted this picture of me exulting in the music and the guy from fits in the tantrums uh, kicked me in the back as, as, as well. He should have stuck his foot out and put it into my back and nudged me out of the way, which oh, well. he, if I were him, I would have really kicked me, but he was, he yeah, was right. a nice guy. There you go. He did it. So he, he did it gently, how gentle you gently got me out of the way. Well, Zane, it's always a, an extreme pleasure to have you on the show. And like you said, I'm, I'm really hoping we're going to do this again. Yeah. I miss you. I miss you, brother. We'll, 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 we'll do it in person. There's, there's so many of us and our mutual friends and we all just need to get together and, you know, not hug and keep six feet. Pool whatever. party at Zane's. Know. Pool party at Zane's. Fine. That, that's that's going to happen. You do have a pool, right? Uh, yeah, of course. And so, so of course, <laughs> like how I answered that. Um, so I'm doing my Friday happy hour live. So I do it every Friday, 5 p.m. Pacific, you know, 8 p.m. Eastern. And so I have a different brewery send me beer um, for, for it. And I've gotten so much beer and wine and booze that I had to go out and buy an extra fridge for my garage, which is now full of beer. So as soon as this thing is over, do you have guests on that thing? We have to go through it. You know, I've done, I've done it. I've tried it. It's, it doesn't do as well with the guests, but I'm going to start doing the podcast. You're going to come on my crafts and craft show where crafts and crabs crafts and you know, it's not, not yours. It's mine. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Cra crafts and crafts where we drink craft beer and do arts and, and scratch ourselves. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. So, so yeah, you're, you're going to come on. That's an awesome show. When's and, it, and when, when's that going? I mean, it was going, it was on it, drink TV had picked it up and I was going to actually bring it to other networks, but we can't shoot because all the bars are closed. So we shot, we shot four of those. You know, what could kill the coronavirus long Island iced tea. Yeah, let's do it. What if you, what if you just, in, you just blitzed it with, Blitzed with alcohol. I think. And ultra, ultraviolet light. I got to go fix my bar. I'm hammered. Apparently, right. apparently we're having some structural problems here with the yeah. bar. I'm going to have to call up my, my carpenter buddy to get in here and fix it. Everybody, Zane Lamprey, <laughs> check him out on the social media. Love you, get Thanks, his, man. Get it. Love you too, man. And uh, we'll be right back. Support for what we're drinking with Dan Dunn comes from Manscaped the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Listen, folks, when it comes to dating, it's a jungle out there. But when you do find someone who wants to take you home, you better make sure it's not a jungle down there. That's why I use Manscaped, a revolutionary electric trimmer that makes accidents a thing of the past. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Take my word on this. No, seriously, you don't want to Google snag your nuts. It's going to take you down a dark road. Another reason to get Manscaped is that you don't want to use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Oh, and Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not use it on the smelliest part of your body? 
Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DRINKING at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code DRINKING. And always use the right tools for the job. Always use Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. You know, folks, people often reach out to me on social media about this podcast. And more often than not, I completely ignore them. It's nothing personal. After all, without the support of listeners, I'm out of a job. Truth is, I've always been genuinely disinterested in what other people have to say. It's a personal shortcoming. I've tried working out in therapy, but it's difficult to address when you don't give a rat's ass what your shrink thinks either. But you know what? I feel like our relationship is strong enough that I can admit this to you without fear of, you know, giving a shit about your reaction. I kid. I kid. I care about you. I really do. Actually, I find it extremely important to heed what listeners have to say. I do. Especially when I'm fresh out of ideas for show segments. It's a little something-something we in the business call doing it monkey style. You know, because it's a little bit you and it's a little bit me. So let's get to it, shall we? Tina from New York wrote me and said, here's an idea. Talk about stuff to put in a flask besides alcohol. For instance, I keep my favorite hot sauce. Well, Tina, it's true. Flasks are quite versatile. I, for one, often keep a flask of 2% milk in my pocket in the event I get a sudden hankering for white-flavored water. Also, I carry around an attache case full of Fruit Loops in case I want to make my white water taste like an explosion at a chemical factory. I never leave home without a racquetball can filled with extra spoons. Doug in Seattle writes, I always find it fascinating that those fishing trawlers are laden with some of the heaviest drinkers apparently fall down drunk while, quote, fishing in 12-foot seas. Sure, what they do sucks, but mad kudos on so many levels to be that shit-hammered in those conditions, and all whilst on the clock at one of the world's deadliest jobs sober. Although, who would know that stat? They're all booze hounds. Wow, well, the sea is a cruel mistress, Doug. But who are we to judge the drinking habits of the people who have sex with our fish before we eat it? Talk to me after you've pleasured a hundred salmon in an afternoon. See if you don't want a little something to take the edge off. And finally, Liz Moon from Los Angeles writes, Liz Moon, Do a test of how various types of alcohol affects people differently. Example, whiskey sometimes makes me angry or edgy, while tequila makes me super horny and I want to jump in the ocean naked. You're right, Liz Moon. Booze does work its intoxicating magic on people's consciousnesses in various ways. I can't speak for everyone, but here's how certain categories make me feel. Vodka? Skinny and pretty. Rum? Skinny and piratey. Beer? Like a tough guy. Light beer? Like a tough chick. Tequila? Like inviting Liz Moon to the beach. And whiskey? Happy. Unless... Liz Moon's around, then scared. That's going to do it for this episode of What We're Drinking. I want to thank Zane Lamprey for joining us. I like that music. Let's go back up again. There we go, yeah. Uh, Zane Lamprey's the best. Coming up on the next episode, comedian Corinne Fisher... And thank you, folks, for tuning in. And I hope to be uh, something. Something.